the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on underdogdynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, If you're a fan of the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, have a special show for you today. We are diving into uh, everything Louisiana Tech with a special guest, Mr. Corey Diaz of the New Star, uh, Northeast Louisiana's top news source. Uh, if you want to check out his work, you can check out thenewstar.com and also follow him on Twitter at C-O-R-Y-D-I-A-Z underscore T-N-S. Corey, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. How, how's everybody doing today? Can't complain. Uh, Joe Londrigan with you once again from UDD along with uh, Eric Henry. How are you, bud? Doing all right, man. Cannot complain. You know, football season's right around the corner. You know, I will be at... FIU's camp tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8.30. So, you know, it's a good time. And once again, appreciate my man Corey Diaz for making time. Got a chance to catch up with him at CUSA Media Days the other day. Hopefully he uh, had uh, not quite the travel adventure that I did. And actually, quite a few of us, um, uh, Evan Dudley, UAB's beat writer, had some struggles getting out of town. You know, the uh, Charlotte 49ers had some struggles getting out of town. So hopefully Corey uh, had a smooth trip back to Louisiana because the rest of us certainly didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to just hop in my car uh, after things wrapped up in Frisco and just drive back over to Monroe, which is uh, slightly over a four-hour drive. But I will say that Tuesday night, I was in uh, Birmingham, uh, downtown Birmingham, for SWAC Media Day uh, on Tuesday, and I had to drive from Birmingham to Frisco Tuesday night, and that was a nine-hour and twenty-minute drive. So I, I definitely feel the travel pains, uh, just on a different day. I hear you. I hear you. That's the one thing I admire about uh, my friends in the South, their willingness to drive places. Like I live in Portland, Oregon. And like, you know, if you had told me, you know, like Seattle is only about a four hour drive, but I know people that will like get on planes or try to find like a train that takes like, you know, one and a half times the, the speed when it's not even that far and it's way more cost efficient to just drive. So like, Kudos to you for doing that drive, though, man. That's not easy. Yeah, that that's always a, a big factor into, uh, you know, my decision-making process to whether it's, you know, uh, professionally or personally, you know, I mean, even just, you know, lots of times going on vacation or whatnot. If I'm going, if I'm going on vacation somewhere in the southeast, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even, like, go on the Internet to look at, like, what flights may cost. Uh, you know, it's just I just hop in my car and, uh, the good thing about it is I have a fuel efficient car, so, you know, I can fill it up for about 20 bucks and, you know, I can, I can drive 300, 400 miles. So uh, it's a pretty, pretty easy decision for me most times. Nice. Nice. Before we uh, get too far off track here, we'll, we'll just jump into the, uh, the bulldog talk and uh, Eric, you want to take it away with the, uh, the questions to start it off here? Yeah, I'll start it off to a little switch up here on our, uh, our regular listeners. Corey, just you know, let's just start it off, man. Uh, what is this program ceiling? You know, it seems that they're always right there uh, on the cusp of either being the best team in Conference USA West since Skip Holtz has taken over. The team has two division titles, um, or just being right there in the thick of the Conference USA race. You know, there's been a lot of talk about G5 football and and you know competing for New Year Six bowl games and things of that that nature. In your opinion, what is this 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 program ceiling? You know, I I think. You know, especially the last couple of years, um, 
you know, coming off the, uh, you know, the Conference USA Championship uh, game run uh, back in 2006, uh, you know, I really felt, you know, and at that time, uh, it was their second title game appearance in three years. And, you know, they had felt like, um, you know, the program was, was very much ascending. You know, they felt like that that was something that, you know, year in and year out, you know, they could be in the be in the hunt for that, uh, you know, Western Division championship and, and have a legitimate shot, you know, every year as the season kicked off uh, to be one of the better teams in the conference. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, last year obviously was a little better than the year before. You know, last year winning eight games, you know, along with the Hawaii Bowl. Um, but, but it's still been, uh, you know, there's still been some slight disappointment. Um, you know, that that's kind of where the bar has been is, uh, you know, we want it. We want to be a, a team that's considered uh, to be a legitimate, uh, you know, contender to uh, compete for these championships in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, as we've seen as the games progressed, um, you know, they they were missing just maybe one piece here or one piece there. Um, you know, and and especially kind of a bugaboo more for Skip Pulse because he's such an offensive-minded guy. You know, you can look at the last two years and. And the pieces that they've missed that have been a legitimate threat in the conference in conference USA is has been on the offensive side of the ball. You know, last year they couldn't quite uh, find the consistency in the run game that they needed to, and uh, that partially was 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 health of running backs, but also partially it was it was the inconsistent play of the offensive line. Um, and the year before that, you know, it's it was it, you know the 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 burden the burden kind of fell on on, on the play of a uh, quarterback Jay Moore Smith and. You know, and 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 so with Skip being an offensive guy, uh, you know, there's just there's been that disappointment there around the program the last two years of, of them not being able to finally get back over that hump and get back into the race for uh, the you know the conference USA championship and and uh, so uh, while you do have that disappointment, I, I do think obviously being one of two uh, teams in the FBS, um, you know, to finish each of the last five years with a with a win and a bowl game. Uh, that's obviously something that that Skip and his coaching staff and the program definitely hangs their hat on, and it's something to definitely be proud of. Um, but you know, this team uh, is always looking for for more than just that, and um, you, you know, so you, you've got you kind of you kind of have to take the good with the bad, and um, you know, right now uh, you got a little disappointment, but you also have got uh, you know something that obviously no other team but one, which is Wisconsin in the Big Ten. Uh, that's been able to accomplish that you've accomplished, and that's win five straight bowl games. Yeah, and you kind of you know hit the nail on the head right there as far as the level of success and and you know kind of getting to the next level and, and the program as a whole. Uh, we'll talk about an addition to the coaching staff that maybe can help them you know kind of uh, get to the next level here. Bob Diaco, um, anyone who knows his track record, uh, he was one of the, the top assistants in college football, uh, Notre Dame took the Connecticut job and things didn't exactly work out. He went to one bowl game there, but eventually ended up being dismissed. Uh, now he's in his first season down in Ruston. What kind of impact can he have on the defense? Uh, I, it would literally take you uh, approximately three minutes of, uh, you know, observing a, a Louisiana Tech practice on the sideline to uh, just immediately pick out what um, Bob Diaco's uh, impact on the defense side of the ball has been. And it is, it is, it is unbridled, unabashed energy. Uh, this guy, every practice that I've been to since he's come on board, uh, you know, before spring practice, um, this guy is running up and down the field with his players. He is he is constantly encouraging them, uh, and you can hear his voice, 
you could be standing in one corner of the end zone and he could be down on the other end of the field and you can hear his voice over over the music that's playing through the PA. I mean, this this guy, uh, he literally, uh, I think he wakes up every morning and he just tells himself, today I'm going to bring it. You know, and I think it's been very infectious for, um, you know, the defensive players on that side of the ball. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, him taking over for Blake Baker, who's now the D.C. down in Miami uh, under Manny Diaz, um, you know, Blake did a tremendous job of, you know, he takes over the defense three years ago where they were, you know, ranked in the, you know, 110s in terms of total defense and it was able to get those guys up to, uh, believe the believe the year that he left, he, he got them up to, I think, 20, they were 27th uh, in the entire country in total defense. So just the transformation that, that uh, Blake Baker was able to make on that side of the ball for Tech has been huge. Um, and so Bob is, is kind of inheriting a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Obviously, uh, he did not inherit Jalen Ferguson, which was an absolute game changer. Uh, I think arguably probably the best player uh, on the Louisiana Tech team the last two years on either side of the ball. Um, so he, he won't have that luxury, but, you know, he's got a guy like Willie Baker that, you know, obviously showed out in the Hawaii Bowl with four sacks himself, uh, you know, playing playing uh, behind Jalen Ferguson there. So there's there's talent on each level of the defensive side of the ball. And just to, just from talking to those guys since Bob took over as defense coordinator, um, every every player that I've talked to raves about just the level of energy that he brings each and every day. Um, you know, they they never doubt what they're going to get out of Bob Diaco. They they know every day he's going to show up, he's going to give them their all, and he's going to be expecting what he would expect out of himself. He's not going to ask them to do anything that he wouldn't ask himself to do. Uh, and I think the players have really fed off of that so far during his uh, his short tenure up to this point. One of the players I want to ask in specificity is a guy who essentially will be saddled with having the entire responsibility of kind of filling the role that Jalen Ferguson uh, provided for the program in the past few years, and that's Willie Baker. Um, you know, at most uh, CUSA fans may be familiar with him from his fourth sack performance against uh, uh, in, in the Hawaii Bowl. Just kind of fill me in on Baker as a whole. He's a guy who um, – I actually didn't realize until kind of going back and looking at it last season that he essentially was Jalen's backup. Um, so my first question is, how much time did, did Ferguson and Baker see on the field together? Um, and the second question is, just kind of how good can Baker be stepping into Jalen Ferguson's role? Yeah, you know, that, uh, you know, that's kind of where Willie's been the last couple of years. You know, he, he's, uh, he's essentially just been Jalen Ferguson's backup. Uh, you know, last year, Emmanuel Turner uh, was the other defensive end. And, uh, man, I wish I could remember the uh, – I think it was the, actually the Arizona Cardinals. I think just three or four days ago, uh, Emmanuel signed a free agent deal with the Cardinals. And so he's in camp with the Cardinals right now. So, you know, you, you essentially had, um, you know, two defensive ends. Uh, on your team last year that were NFL talent guys. And, and so, um, I, you know, obviously Jalen's with the Baltimore Ravens now. He's a, he's a third-round draft pick. But uh, so, you know, Willie's just – he's been behind Jalen the last couple of years. But, but you know, Eric, let's obviously be honest here. Uh, you really couldn't ask for, a, you know, a better guy to be, a, be behind, a better guy to observe, and a better guy to kind of have you – kind of show you the ropes. Uh, you know, a third-round NFL draft pick and – and uh, you know, a guy that you can just really sort of just watch him uh, practice each and every day, see what he does, and is really sort of emulate that. And so, um, you know, that's 
that's kind of where Willie's been. He's been the backup. Um, but, uh, you know, as we all saw, you know, last December in the Hawaii Bowl, uh, you know, when he when he finally got that opportunity to have his number called, um, you know, he, he obviously rose to that occasion and he had a monster game. Uh, I think he, you know, he raised a lot of eyebrows. He popped a lot of eyes uh, in the, in the bowl game. And, and, um, you know, from a guy that's, uh, kind of watched him the last couple of years, you know, obviously primarily as a backup, but, you know, he obviously has that talent and, uh, I'm really, uh, excited to, um, you know, to watch tech open up fall camp, uh, Friday morning and, uh, really just start to, um, really sort of focus on him during practice, you know, him stepping into more of a primary role there, more significant role on the, on the tech defensive line. And, and really see how he accepts that challenge, um, you know, going forward. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that's um, that's going to be able to rise to that occasion, and 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 uh, maybe not. He's obviously not going to have 45 career sacks like Jalen Ferguson did, because uh, he's only got a couple more years of eligibility. But um, you know, he, he's a guy that I think um, could could be a difference maker on a on a defensive line that. Uh, that really lost all four of its starters from last year, and they and they need somebody, uh, you know, to step up and, and be a guy that they can count on, you know, to be an edge rusher to affect a quarterback, to, to affect opposing quarterbacks. Because you know, if they if if the quarterbacks in this league if they have time to throw, they will, you know, they'll eat you alive. Exactly. Once again, for those of you listening, we have Corey Diaz on joining the podcast, previewing Louisiana Tech. Uh, let's kind of keep it there as far as you know coaching staff. Uh, Skip Holtz, I mean, he's a guy who came from USF, and I had a chance to see him some rather closely because he, uh, USF being in Tampa, you know, the USF fans are probably still kind of reeling from the, the end of that tenure, but he's really rebounded well, Louisiana Tech, five straight bowl games. Is there any fear that Skip Holtz may try to test the waters elsewhere, or does he seem pretty comfortable with this stop, uh, knowing how his previous stops went before at ECU and at USF? You know, I, I think right now, um, you know, I, I think Skip's actually really happy. I think him and his family are really happy in Ruston. Um, you know, last year kind of, uh, I think it was either right before the football season started or maybe week one, week two into the year or something, there were some rumors about, you know, him might being a, um, or maybe it was the year before, you know, him might being a target for, you know, getting the head coaching job at Arkansas. And, and uh, I remember asking him about that, asking him about that rumor. And, and he had said that, you know, they weren't really pursuing anything else at that time because, you know, what the, you know, just this type of the level of success and the things that they had built at Louisiana Tech University was, uh, you know, something that was still very much exciting to him and, and something that he was very proud of. And, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think with the way that, you know, his his last couple of coaching, as you mentioned, Eric, you know, the last couple of places that he had been before landing in Ruston and how things had transpired, um, you know, obviously I think for any coach it, you know, it allows you to sort of self-reflect some. And, and um, you know, I think I think at this point in Skip's uh, head coaching career, I think he's a little more, uh, I think he's a little more grateful, um, you know, for, you know, the opportunity to, you know, still be able to run his own program and to still, uh, you know, affect the kids' lives that he has on his football team. And, um, you know, and you can ask, you know, a lot of the guys, uh, you know, on Tech's football team right now, and even some guys that have gone on in the last few years. But, you know, th- those guys, they, those guys love playing for Skip. You know, he's, he's, he's very much a player's coach. And, and 
you know, and there, like we said, you know, there's no denying, you know, the five straight bowl wins and, you know, the, the two conference USA championship, uh, championship game appearances. Uh, so he, he knows, uh, that he can succeed at Louisiana tech and he knows where the bar is. It's kind of a bar that he has set himself. And, um, you know, I, I think he's, I think he's very happy. I don't, I don't think, I don't think many people are, uh, worried or concerned uh, of him testing the waters, you know, in any other coaching searches right now, it would, it would have to be, it would have to be the absolute right fit. I think if, if Skip were going to leave Louisiana tech over the next couple of years, uh, I don't, I don't think he would, I don't think he'd take another G five job over where he presently is. Um, so it, it would have to be a P five job and, and it, it would absolutely have to be the right fit for him, for him to leave. Yeah, if there's one thing that this conference has shown over the last few years is, is that, you know, coaching tenures, they can end pretty quickly. And Skip Holtz actually is one of the more senior tenured coaches in this league, so having that type of stability is great. Uh, Corey, one thing we like to do on this podcast while I get ready and uh, toss it over to Joe and his questions is we like to get to know our guests. So I'm going to throw kind of a softball here for you. Uh, it's a two-part question. One, what is your favorite thing about living in Ruston, Louisiana? And the second part of the question uh, this is one I like to ask uh, a lot of our guests. What's your favorite conference USA city that you've been to on on all your travels? Oh man, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a good two part question. Uh, well, uh, for full clarity, I don't actually live in Ruston. I actually live in Monroe, uh, but it's only okay. a you know a hop, skip, and a jump uh, from Ruston. But uh, since I moved out here uh, a little over two years ago. Um, you know, I took this job. I was actually covering high schools uh, back just right outside of Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, I, I uh, I'm a self-proclaimed foodie, uh, so I absolutely love uh, Louisiana cuisine. I uh, love crawfish. Crawfish season is my uh, is my favorite time of year. Uh, so I would I would to answer the first part of your question, uh, I would definitely say the the food. Um, you know, obviously the people here are great too. They're extremely friendly and they're uh, been very welcoming and accepting. Uh, and that's obviously something you can't overlook either. But uh, the food here is absolutely outstanding. So I, I love to go out and eat as much as I can. Uh, and the second part of uh, of your question there, um, you know, and, and this may be because, you know, I guess I'm an Alabama guy, but, you know, I, I'm, I absolutely love Birmingham. Uh, Birmingham is a great place. Uh, there's always so much to do there, uh, and I've spent a great deal of time in that city before. But uh, so to answer your second part of your question, uh, I guess I guess you can uh, tentatively write me down uh, for Birmingham. Although I will say there's there's plenty of places that I haven't uh, visited yet um, that I would love to. I mean, obviously getting down to Miami and checking out FIU stuff would be uh, would be pretty great. I know I won't have that opportunity this year, but um, you know, there, there's still, there's still some cities that I'd love to check off. You know, San Antonio is fun too. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's kind of where I am right now. I'm, I'm going to go a one, a Birmingham and a one B San Antonio. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a fair point you make there, especially being a, an Alabama guy. I can't hit on that answer. I actually haven't been to Birmingham. Uh, some of my favorite cities, uh, El Paso, I mean, it was a beautiful city, but um, Charlotte, actually, was the first time I made that trip last year, and I, I was just, I, I guess I had a different idea in my mind of the city, because I had been to Atlanta so many times, but uh, Charlotte was beautiful, so, so Charlotte's Charlotte. on my list. Uh, 
yeah, I haven't been to Charlotte yet, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to having an opportunity to go there at some point. Obviously, spent a lot of time in uh, Atlanta as well. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, you know those are those are some good spots there. Before we resume our Conference USA football discussion, we're going to take some time to tell you a little bit more about our sponsors and shout out some of the other great podcasts on the SB Nation Network. Be right back. Corey, uh, to move along the, the line of questioning here, uh, one of the guys that you mentioned who's absolutely vital to Tech's success is uh, quarterback Jamar Smith. Um, been a huge playmaker for them each of the last uh, couple of years, obviously. Um, what, in your opinion, will be the biggest difference between 2018 Jamar Smith and 2019 Jamar Smith? Uh, you know, Joe, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm – I am most intrigued uh, to to get out there and and watch him during fall camp this year before the season starts. Um, you know, I think I, th- I think timing is going to be huge for him. Um, you know, obviously, you know the type of year that Adrian Hardy had last year. Um, you know, would would lead a lot of people to to believe that oh, you know, those two guys were in sync. But you know, I think uh, you know, I think if you go back and watch a lot of the tape. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of that, you know, you would have to put on Hardy. I, I think sometimes Jay Marr would just put the ball in his general vicinity and Adrian Hardy would just go make an outstanding play. Um, you know, he had, he had a lot of highlight catches uh, last year. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see what the timing is between Jay Marr Smith and the Adrian Hardys, you know, and his other wide receivers, his Griffin A. Bears and, and his Isaiah Grahams, um, you know, I, it's going to be it's going to be big for this offense to take that next step, um, you know, especially on his hot reads and, and his quick reads. If, if, if Jay Markin can be in step with his wide receivers, um, you know, that's going to be a big thing for them in terms of being able to consistently move the ball up the field and, uh, you know, obviously help out, you know, help out the offensive line there. Um, you know, they're, they've got to replace both of their tackles this year. Um, so, you know, getting the ball out quickly, getting the ball out in step with his receivers is going to be something that I think Jay Mar is going to need to uh, really have down uh, before August 31st before they have to go play Texas in the season opener, um, which is going to be a, a, a huge, a huge order for, for the tech football team. But, um, you know, and another thing too, uh, you know, I think from a le- just from a leadership standpoint, you know, uh, I, I think last year, coming from his first full season starting as a redshirt sophomore to last year during his redshirt junior year, I will say, you know, he, he took a he took a big step in terms of, uh, you know, his leadership on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I think, you know, heading into his redshirt senior year this year, you know, I, I think, you know, through Skip's eyes and through offense coordinator Todd Fitch's eyes, you know, this has got to be that year where, you know what, you know, maybe we don't have to go into the huddle, you know, as often as we feel like we need to. Maybe this is maybe this is the year where, you know, Jay Marr steps in the huddle and he really takes the reins and he takes over that leadership role and gets his guys, you know, uh, playing together and gets them all on the same page. You know, I think there's a couple of other guys on the offensive side of the ball that I think, you know, those guys would look to. You know, uh, Cody Russi was a guy that, that Skip brought with him to Conference USA Media Days a couple of weeks ago. He's a, he's a, jun- a junior center. Um, but – I think I think for Jamar, um, you know, taking that even that next step in a leadership role uh, is going to be big for him. You know, th- with this year being his last year, you know, I think he I think he really needs to be the loudest voice on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, for for Tech to 
like I said, not only consistently move the ball, but, you know, really to have that guy that, um, you know, the other 10 guys on that side of the ball feel like they can look to, um, you know, in those crunch time moments in a game or, you know, maybe you've had a couple of drives that haven't been going your way. You know, you need somebody to sort of rally the troops there. And, and I think Jay Marson's voice is, really needs to be that voice that I think everybody needs to look to this year. You mentioned Adrian Hardy and how uh, Jamar's been really in sync with him the last uh, last couple of seasons or so. And uh, Hardy's just part of this junior class at Tech that has really been turning heads uh, for the last couple of years. Um, even tossed cornerback Amik Robertson into that group as well. Um, just a ton of talent in that junior class. Um, any chance any of the guys in that class turn pro early at the end of the season and skip their last year of eligibility? Well, I, I think uh, I think if any if any of those juniors are going to do it, I think you mentioned the two that will. Uh, I think I think Adrian Hardy. You know, if he if he puts up equal numbers to what he put up last year, um, I mean, for a guy like that, I I honestly don't know why you would return for a senior year. You know, if you're able to do back to back 1,000 receiving yards and you know have close to you know 15, 20 touchdowns in a two year span. Um, I mean, I mean, why would you, uh, you know, I, if I were him, I'd, I'd go make that money, you know, and then I think, I think Amik is another, uh, the, the way, the way Amik just sort of um, took over the scene here in Ruston, you know, with the fan base, um, you know, it really kind of started week two of his freshman year when Mississippi State came to town and he had that uh, interception there, I believe it was in the second quarter. And uh, he almost returned it back for a touchdown. That was really kind of the moment that I think everyone in Joe IA Stadium looked at each other and said, okay, this kid is really special, you know. And, and I think he's, you know, maybe a Jalen Ferguson, uh, you know, a Vernon Butler, a Xavier Woods, you know, some of these guys, a Trent Taylor, you know, some of these guys that Tech has put in the NFL the last two or three years. I think Amik Robertson already just in his body of work just in two years, um, I think he's already put himself in the conversation as one of the best players in the Skip Holtz era at Louisiana Tech. I mean, this this kid, um, he is he has affected the way uh, offenses approach playing Louisiana Tech's defense almost as much as what Jalen Ferguson has done. Um, just because, obviously, you know, Jalen being there on the line, you know, <laughs> you need to make sure your quarterback is getting the ball out pretty quick if, if Jalen Ferguson's coming at him trying to hit him. So, but. You know, this is a guy that, um, you know, opposing quarterbacks don't really test him very much because they know how much of a ball hockey is. Uh, he's uh, to be a guy his size, you know, he's I think he he may be five foot nine on a good day, you know. Um, but this guy plays uh, plays as physical as a guy that I feel like, you know, feels like it's 230, 240 pounds and he's nowhere near that. I mean, this kid is super physical. He He loves to. Uh, to to lock down the opposing team's best receiver, uh, he 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 has that confidence and that swagger about himself. Um, and so, I, you know, I, to answer your question, I, I think those those two names would be the two that I would watch. Um, you know, come you know after bowl season in January and February when when kids can start making those decisions about whether or not they want to declare early for the NFL draft. Those the two names that I would certainly be looking for would be Amik Roberts and the cornerback. And Adrian Hardy, the wide receiver. Uh, I don't. I don't really think anybody else in that junior class um, would entertain it. May, I mean, maybe a Willie Baker if he goes out and has a monster year. Um, but 
I just don't know if, you know, if a lot of your, you know, pro scouts feel like, okay, so we've got, you know, tape from a bowl game and then we've got, you know, these other 12 or 13 games. I'm not sure if that would be enough film, um, you know, for them to, you know, grade him high enough and, and come in and tell him, hey, we think you're a second round guy. You should maybe think about coming out early. Um, so it, it, for a sleeper, uh, Willie Baker could be a guy that, that might could uh, test the waters of the NFL draft early, but I, I do think uh, the two safer choices are Adrian Hardy and Nick Robertson. Certainly makes sense. Uh, Corey, preseason media polls came out a couple of weeks ago. Tech was picked to finish third in the West this season. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that too low, too high, or just right for this team? I, I think that's just right. Um, you know, there we – I feel like everyone, uh, not only, uh, you know, fans of Louisiana Tech, not only, you know, folks inside the Louisiana Tech football program, but I think even, you know, people around uh, Conference USA, you know, I, I think everyone feels like, you know, more needs to be seen out of out of the offense. Um, and then obviously, you know, having to replace a Jalen Ferguson on defense, uh, having to replace an entire defensive line. Um, so obviously there's a big question there. But uh, – you know, I think I think third is, is is about right for this team heading into this year. Uh, you know, just with those particular question marks um, that are that are surrounding this team right now. Um, you know, you got to have better quarterback play. You got to have a consistent run game. You need more consistent play from your offensive line. Uh, you know, who's going to step up and be that guy on the defensive line? Um, you know, I, so I think third is about right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that, you know, I think the, right now the class of the Western Division is North Texas, you know, with the pieces that they have back, you know, they, they've got, you know, the preseason offensive player of the year, Mason Fine at quarterback. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know, winning it at the end of the year. But, um, you know, it, it, I'm interested to see, you know, once we get to November and, and Tech gets to that tough stretch there where you got to play Southern Miss and you'll play UAB. Um, and play North Texas there. Um, you know, those are going to be three. Those are going to be three pivotal games. You know, in, in the division race that are really going to tell the tale. Um, and so it's going to be. And the good thing that you know for Tech is, you know, you've got Southern Miss coming to your place, and you've got North Texas coming to your place. You got you got to go to Birmingham to play UAB. But uh, to get two of those three really tough uh, divisional games, you know, at home at the Joe. Uh, I think it will be big for them. And obviously the hope for them at that point is, you know, we've supplanted ourselves, you know, uh, deep in the, in the Western division race to where, you know, if we can win these games, you know, we'll be at the top. So, but I think coming in third is probably uh, where this team is. Uh, and now they just got to go get better in fall camp. And once they kick those games off, you know, they need to, obviously sharpen things up and, and be playing their best football, um, you know, when those games come up on the schedule. Uh, you know, Corey, you mentioned that uh, the Texters open up the season against the University of Texas in Austin on uh, Saturday, August 31st. Other than that game, what team do you think will give the Bulldogs the most trouble this season? Uh, good question. Um I'm, I'm trying to uh, avoid the, you know, the usual suspects here, um, you know, of say like a North Texas um, or say like a Southern Miss, you know, Southern Miss is obviously a team that's, that's sort of had Louisiana Tech's number over the last handful of years. Um, a, a team, a team that, 
when the when the complete 2019 uh, schedule came out uh, earlier this year, um, one game that stuck out to me that that's intrigued me from from the very first day that it was completely released, and that is FIU's visit to the Joe in the in the conference opener there at the end of September. Uh, to me, that game uh, really, it, I think it could make Tech's season go one way or the other. You know, I think if, if Tech's able to beat that FIU team at home to open up conference play. I think that that would be a huge boost in confidence for this team. Uh, it could really uh, sort of ascend them uh, in, the, in, the, in a positive trajectory for the rest of the year. And, you know, and, and I also think on the other side of that coin, you know, FIU comes in with James Morgan at quarterback and, and uh, you know, the preseason defensive player of the year and linebacker Sage Lewis, if those guys come in to Ruston and, and, and beat Louisiana Tech, I could see, I could see that being a, a pretty deflating loss for Tech and, and the next thing you know, you're trying to pick up the pieces. Um, so that to me, that's that's a team that I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tall order for you know for Tech to get ready, you know, to um, you know to play that FIU team. Because let's also think about this too. You know, it, it's going to be a short week for Tech because they play at Bowling Green the Saturday night before, and then you're coming home, and then you're hosting the FIU on a Friday night. And so you you only have six days to prepare for that conference opener there, and uh, you know I mean you know a lot of people think look at that you know that one day and say oh it's just one day well you know that's one day of rest and or you know it's an extra day of preparation that you normally don't have in your week to week schedule so uh, you know there's a lot of uh, extenuating circumstance you know leading up to that game too so um, to me that's to me that's a, probably the biggest pivotal game for tech you know for in my eyes is that is that conference opener hosting fiu uh it's if they were up to me i I would say my preseason pick for the eastern division would have been fiu you know i i think i think top to bottom they're one of the more talented teams in conference usa and uh i'm i'm actually expecting really big things out of them this year so that to me that's a game that i've i've had circled on my uh, schedule for months now and um, I really can't wait till September 20th to get here and and uh, they kick that game off and see how it goes. Definitely not the only one to think that about that FIU Tech game. Um, switching gears here before we start wrapping up, Corey, uh, with all of the emergency weather situations that Rustin's been hit with in the last uh, few months or so, certainly been a scary time for a lot of people in the area. What's the state of the city of Rustin right now and just the whole of that part of Louisiana? Yeah, you know, uh, April 25th, uh, you know, an EF3 tornado came through the town of Ruston, um, really devastated a lot of uh, surrounding neighborhoods, uh, you know, in the Ruston surrounding uh, Louisiana Tech, you know, obviously hit, uh, you know, several of Louisiana Tech's athletic facilities causing, you know, multi-millions of dollars of damage. Um, But, you know, I think um, in the, in the aftermath of, of this stuff, I, I think what we've seen is, I think we've seen a, a town uh, grow stronger together. Um, you know, I think, you know, one of the one of the cooler things I saw, uh, you know, later on that morning, uh, going out there on campus and, and and checking out the damage myself and covering that that event, um, you know, was just the sheer amount of people that you know took it upon themselves to 
you know, go out and help their neighbor, you know, whether it was, you know, they had a tree on their house and, you know, they had a chainsaw. So they wanted to, you know, help them, you know, remove the debris or remove the tree or, you know, help them, uh, you know, get their belongings out of their car or what have you. Um, you know, and some of this stuff was done by, you know, football players, basketball players, soccer players, uh, tennis players, baseball players. Uh, you know, so it was, it's really cool to see just how close the, the town and city of Ruston have, have come together, you know, in the aftermath. And I think, um, you know, it, it kind of speaks to, you know, just the, the humanitarian, humanitarian spirit, uh, of this region of the country. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people want to, want to see not only themselves, but to see other people, uh, you know, rise up and succeed. And, uh, it's been a really beautiful thing to see. And, uh, it's been really encouraging to see, uh, cause, you know, going out and seeing some of that stuff, it was really, it was really, really heartbreaking. Um, but like I said, you know, kind of out of that darkness, you can see some light. And, and I think, uh, you know, a big, a big beam of that light was just seeing everyone come together and, uh, you know, just really helping in the efforts to, uh, you know, to make sure, you know, your neighbor was okay and to make sure that uh, you were kind of doing your part uh, to ensure that, you know, once everything finally gets cleaned up and everything is finally at a point to where they can start to rebuild, that everything will be bigger and better, um, you know, once it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's inspiring to see the way that a lot of the athletes from that university have uh, really pitched in to help the community rebuild in the aftermath. Um, on a happier note, um, I, I'm kind of food obsessed and I like to kind of find the good places to go when, uh, when I come to town, I'm not super well traveled within conference USA yet, but one day I hope to be, um, you mentioned that you're a proclaimed foodie as well. Uh, what are like one or two spots that are must hits when you're in Ruston? Sure. Uh, man, maybe I'll get some free food out of this or something. Uh, <laughs> Uh, two two places. If you find yourself in Ruston, uh, two places that I would uh, definitely go check out um, is there's a place in downtown Ruston called Ponchatoulas. Uh, it's it's your kind of your your standard Cajun uh, Creole fare. Uh, it's very good. Um, and then another place that I would check out, um, you know, if you're if you're a barbecue guy, uh, Brister's is a is a really cool place. Um, you know, they have really good food and, you know, and if you go to Brister's, make sure you go in there hungry because they, you know, their, their portions are pretty large and they make sure you're well fed and, and the, uh, you know, and what you pay is, you know, you kind of get what you pay for, you get more bang for your buck. So it's great there too. Um, and then if you're also like me and if you enjoy, uh, you know, an adult beverage, uh, every now and then, um, Sundown Tavern is a really fun place too, and it's actually right next door to Pontatulis downtown. Uh, they have a really nice patio, and I like to go out there and, um, you know, enjoy a uh, a Louisiana brewed beer. Um, so those would be three places that I would say, you know, if you had to build a short list, um, if you find yourself in Ruston to go check out, those would be three. Awesome. Definitely, we'll hit up those two spots when uh, when I'm next in town. Hopefully, it'll be soon. Um, with that, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and start wrapping up the show here. Uh, Corey, remind everybody where they can find you and your work across the internet here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can check out my stuff uh, on social media. You can check me out on Twitter uh, at Corey Diaz underscore TNS, and that's at C-O-R-Y-D-I-A-Z underscore TNS. Uh, I've also got a professional page on Facebook. Uh, you can search for me, uh, Corey Diaz slash The New Star. Um, and then also you can just go to our website, thenewstar.com. Um, you know, click on the sports tab and we have a Louisiana Tech tab there and, and you can find all things Louisiana Tech there too. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, before we wrap up, I'll just remind everybody to uh, like at Underdog Dynasty on uh, on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, got a lot more G5 football stuff to pump out before the start of the season, which is only four weeks away. It feels so good to say that. And uh, for myself and Eric Henry, I'll say you can follow us on social media as well at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. And of course, check out uh, underdogdynasty.com every day for more G5 football goodness. And uh, if you haven't already, leave a review for the show and uh, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back very soon with another episode. Happy football watching, everybody. <laughs>